Today, if you're tuning in on our podcast or on YouTube, just want to welcome you. It's Graduate Sunday here at Shiloh, and things are a little bit differently. This is not my typical sermon and uh, breaking down of Scripture that I normally do. This is more of a time for personal reflection and encouragement uh, for the graduates who are here, as well as all of us. And I'm going to be sharing more of my personal spiritual journey than I normally do uh, as part of this. And hopefully I can give you just a couple of pointers just a couple of pointers, that's what I'm calling it, that you might be able to take with you as you enter into college or the university of life, as we say. But growing up, I was a homeboy. I liked to stay close to home in Burlington and Alamance County. I grew up being able to play with all my cousins of my extended family. And on my dad's side, I had my one cousin, Darren. We were almost best friends. I would say at times we were best friends, three months apart from one another in age. I also got to go with my mom almost every week to see my grandmother, Massey. She didn't have much, as my brother said, she didn't have a pot to pee in. But we go to her trailer, and the love and the warmth that we felt when we went in almost every Saturday was overwhelming. We didn't have to do much. Honestly, as a young person, I'd get kind of bored there in a certain extent, but it was just being together. My grandparents on my dad's side of the family lived about five minutes away from us. We were able to go over there fairly often as well, and that is where I learned to play Rook, one of my favorite card games. And I learned watching my grandmother play, you'd have to be around her. She loved to have fun. And you know, if you play cards to any extent, you know, sometimes it's just your day. The cards are going your way. Sometimes the cards are not going your way, like in life. My grandmother, however, regardless of whether she had good cards or bad cards, she was going to bid. If you know anything about Rook, it's kind of like spades. You've got to take the bid in order to get the kitty to get the other cards in it. And it didn't matter if she had cards or not. Eventually, she was going to be in the middle of it. And whether she blew it or whether she knocked it out of the park, she always laughed, always had a good time. I remember sitting next to my grandfather, who was a little bit more serious about the game. Uh, she was serious, too. But I remember him, every time he called green trumps, it was green, green, they green, they say, on the far side of the hill. And so we had all those memories, many more. I learned many lessons from them as just living life and walking through life with them. My grandfather taught me a, a lot about humility. I was good enough, and I'm not bragging, I'm just, I could have made the tennis team. I'd been about the fourth or fifth seed on the tennis team. We were in a preppy area, a lot of good tennis players. But my grandfather would take me out on a tennis court, have me down five games to none, running me all over the court while he's standing in the middle, and then he would say, now's the time to make you move. My mom and dad loved me dearly and sacrificially. The older I get, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, the more I understand what they did. They took me to church regularly. St. Mark's was an important part of my life, and that my faith there became a vital part of my life. I'm thankful to my mom and dad who made it a point to take me to church virtually every Sunday. Only on rare occasions did we miss. I was blessed by all the numerous colorful personalities of Sunday school teachers, children's, and youth volunteers who invested time in me out of their precious schedules. I was fortunate to be a part of Reverend Bob's two-year confirmation class. 
It was during my conversation with my high school Sunday school teacher, Mr. Franks, that he confronted me and turned the conversation around to me and said, have you ever thought about going into the ministry? And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, nobody knew that but me. I could keep going, but you get the picture. I loved Burlington and I loved Alamance County. It was home. It was where my family and friends were. I was fortunate after graduating from college to be able to return home, serve at a couple of churches for 10 years. But much like a mother eagle will stir up her nest to make her 12-week-old eaglets uncomfortable so that they learn how to fly, God worked through the new pastor in the church where I had served for six years to kind of push me out. It was during that excruciatingly painful time that God used Abraham, his words to Abraham to speak to me directly and personally. And it says in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. He goes on to promise to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we know ultimately that is through his descendant, Jesus Christ. But what spoke to me was that in the same way, that God told Abraham to leave his homeland, his people, and much of his family. God made it clear to me that he was calling me to do the same. And notice what also God said to Abraham. Go to the land I will show you. He didn't tell him in advance where he was going. Go to the land I will show you. If we allow God to lead us, he often shows us where to go and what to do one step at a time and no further. And that's without us being able to see exactly just where he is taking us. With this in mind, let me give you a couple of pointers, as I mentioned, that I have picked up along the way in this journey. Number one, and don't forget it, it will seem contradictory, but remember it. Expect the unexpected and anticipate the unanticipatable. Expect the unexpected and anticipate the unanticipatable. As we let God lead us in life, we will encourage, we will encounter unexpected twists and turns along the way. You can't dream of what you're about to get into at times. When the Lord told Abraham that he would make him into a great nation, I'm sure that he had in mind that God would get to work on that fairly soon. What he meant was, hey, you're going to have a lot of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on and so on. But it wasn't until Abraham and his wife Sarah were 190 years old, respectively, that God enabled them to have a son named Isaac. I'm sure that wasn't on his game plan. 
When I accepted God's call into the ministry, I never knew that one day I would assist in pest control, for instance. I was at a small church in Youngsville, North Carolina, Oak Level Christian Church, and one day we had this foul smell in the fellowship hall. And those of you that know me, this is just totally out of my element. We had to go underneath the crawl space, and it looked like there was a possum under there. And we were almost certain it was dead, but there was only one way to be certain, and that was by crawling underneath there to make sure. Now, one of our older gentlemen that looked after the church a lot, he got me to go along with him, and I stood at the door to the crawl space while he crawled flat on his belly. He said, now, Richard, he handed me a pistol. He said, Richard... I'm going to poke this thing with this stick. If that thing moves, you shoot it. I never fired a pistol before in my life. And you want to know some of the most fervent prayer I lifted up was at that time where I was like, dear God, let that possum be dead. <laughs> and thankfully, it was. <laughs> Many of you, like I did, have your own plans and ideas. That's all right. But God reserves the right to redirect them. There's no way you can anticipate how everything's going to go. And let me assure you, you can't anticipate the challenges and trials that you will encounter along the way. Things will appear to backfire at times. But remember Romans 8.28. In all things... God works for the good of those who love him. That includes the things that appear to be totally backwards from what we think they should. When I got sick packing away from home, that was not according to my plans. When Wendy developed toxemia during both of her pregnancies, that was not on my radar. I always thought that I was a likable guy, that I could get along with everybody. And then I suddenly discovered a lesson that some people just don't want to be gotten along with. As Romans 12, 18 says, if at all possible, do everything you can to live at peace with others. But sometimes that peace is not possible. Upon graduating from seminary, I thought that my days of youth ministry were over. After all, that's why I went to seminary, to become a pastor, right? But after God humbled me through more than four years of painful, difficult ministry and personal growth, I accepted a call to go back into youth ministry at First Reform, just down the street in Landis. And 10 years ago, when I saw Pastor Wayne walking out in the churchyard there, I'm like, that little old man looks like he's lost. I need to go out to help him. I had no idea at that time that I would wind up being his associate pastor here at Shiloh and eventually take his place some of the unexpected twists and turns that we encounter are positive clearly while others will appear to be negative some people who you least expect will wind up blessing you greatly some of the people that will hurt you however and disappoint you immensely and you'll be shocked but never forget that either way God is leading us toward the land that he will show us. Secondly, learn from your mistakes and failures. Learn from them. Not beat yourself up over them. Learn from them. In life, we sometimes make bad decisions that cost us. 
There's been financial things I've done that cost us. There's been other decisions we make that cost us. That's part of the journey. Sometimes it's due to a lack of experience, but at other times it's because we choose to do things our way rather than God's way, and we choose to trust in our own timing rather than God's. We see this in Abraham's life a couple of times when they went off to some foreign lands, and he wound up out of fear telling others that his wife Sarah was his sister. He lied. We also see how he had relations where Sarah and him got together like, look, it's taken God too long to bring about this heir so that we can make this promise happen. So here, here's Hagar, and they had Ishmael. They made all that mistake because they tried to rush things. When you look throughout the Bible, what do you see? You see people who often fall flat on their face. David had an affair with Bathsheba that cost him and his family dearly. When Jesus was arrested, his own disciples abandoned him. Peter denied him three times, even though just hours earlier he said, I'm willing to die with you before I'm going to deny you. That was a fall and a hard one because he denied him three times. There will be times when we make mistakes. And when you fall morally or spiritually, allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Keep in mind that God doesn't slap us around and beat us up for the sake of beating us up. He does convict us, however. We need to admit our sin when we do that, accept his forgiveness, repent of our wrongdoing, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in the path of righteousness. In those times when you make a bad or wrong decision due to a lack of experience, don't beat yourself up and tell yourself that you're a failure. Watch the thoughts that go into your mind. Everybody sees, you might have seen some movies where there's all this spiritual warfare and demonic activity and all that. The battle's in here. What are you listening to in your brain? Don't listen to those voices that say, how could you be so stupid? Idiot, can't you do anything right? Does that sound like that's coming from God? Absolutely not. One of Satan's most effective tactics is to get us to beat ourselves up when we mess up. But there is a better way to process our mistakes. Once when I was telling my grandmother Myers about some of my life experiences that I was learning in life and ministry, she came back kind of with this retort. You're learning. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit at first, to be honest with you. But I think I understand what she means. When we make mistakes, and we will make mistakes, we need to give ourselves permission to remember that we're still learning. And we will never stop learning. If we learn from our mistakes and stop repeating them, then we're going to grow from them. And we, like Abraham, will be a blessing to others as we let God continue to lead us one step at a time to the land that he will show us. So in the words of Christian singer Stephen Curtis Chapman, I close with this. Saddle up your horses, we've got a trail to blaze. Through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. Let's follow our leader into the glorious unknown. This is life like no other. This is the great adventure. We'll travel on over mountains so high. We'll go through valleys low. Still through it all, we'll find that this is the greatest journey that the human heart will ever see. The love of God will take us far beyond our wildest dreams. Let us pray. 
Lord, our prayer for all of us here today is simply this. We're thankful that we are never on this journey alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.